wanna get high, man. Let's stimulate your mind. Get up, Chucky! What have we got here? Fucking comedian. <laughs> Rojan Kim. Hello, and welcome to the Rojan Kim cast. It's me, Rojan Kim. Thank you so much for joining me today for episode 195. 195? Yeah, I'm sure it's 195. Took a little Labor Day break off um, in honor of those who fought to give us the eight-hour day, the weekend. Um, that's pretty much it. But that was actually huge. You know, that's uh, that's actually really big. Now, there's all these other laws and stuff, child labor laws, you know, all the like. A lot of people were gunned down in the streets, just machine gunned. Uh, bombed with World War One type planes. If you really read about this stuff, it's kind of crazy. Like, I mean, Black Wall Street is a thing. You know, the massacre there that happened. But that type of massacre, um, at least the kind where they busted out biplanes and started shooting at people, strafing them, that actually happened uh, with workers of all colors. You know, um, it was a real, like, workers' movement, a labor party, right? Labor movement progressive movement that led to um all these laws changing and really uh i guess it's for the best right it's i mean people kind of lifted a lot of people out of poverty because they were now guaranteed a certain wage and i don't know i mean i'm not you know super deep into the economics of this whole thing because a lot of people are like minimum wage well then if it's 15 dollars an hour why not make it 30 dollars an hour and why not make it this dollar you know and then um a lot of people believe that minimum wages are bad for businesses i don't know I mean, maybe I could see that argument too, but that's not what he, <laughs> this whole, this is now an economics podcast about the minimum wage. Um, thank you for joining me on the Rojan Kimcast today. We will discuss whether or not $15 is an appropriate minimum wage for California. Um, joining me today is an economist from, no, that'd be awesome if I did that and I can like keep that up, but I don't care. I just don't care. I mean, you know, I don't know. I'm sure a minimum wage is good in some ways, but in other ways, it seems to um, just force people to either get you know higher under the table and hire people illegally, uh, which is what people end up doing, and then regular people don't have jobs, or it forces small businesses to uh, raise prices or whatever. I don't know. I don't know. What am I? What kind of? I thought I was a lefty. Have I turned right? Is this what's going on? Am I a Republican now? That's what people are asking. Am I a Republican now? Or are you a Republican? Cause I just, I just kind of strayed from the democratic party. You know, I used to identify with the blues. I think a big part of that might've just been, uh, like my dad was into Reagan. So I was like, yeah, I'll be <laughs> against him. Uh, and my aunt and uncle, I remember they voted for Jesse Jackson. They were really like super into that. And they were activated by the Democrats, you know, the Democrats activate a lot of people, but you know, he lost and I don't think they ever voted again. Uh, maybe they voted for Obama. I voted for Obama. I did. I voted for him. The second time it felt worse than the first time. <laughs> I'll tell you that the first time I voted for Obama, I was very happy because you know, I hated Bush. I didn't want another Bush. McCain, you know, McCain would just be more Bush, you know, I don't want any of that. So I got Obama instead. Yeah. But then four years in, I was like, ah, oh, Romney versus Obama. I mean, not Romney, of course. I'll vote for Obama. But by that point, I was like, is, did, I mean, you know, under the first term of Obama, he transferred, it was the greatest transfer of wealth in history upward to the top 1%, right? You had uh, Occupy Wall Street under Obama. You had the Arab Spring under him. You had ISIS, the rise of ISIS under the first term. Uh, a lot of stuff happening under the first term. And then I think in 2015 is when uh, Ferguson 
happened. Michael Brown and Eric Garner. And I think that was sort of the rise of the Black Lives Matter movement. And of course, that was by the end of Obama's second term. We all know that everything was fixed uh, in terms of, of black people being killed by cops and uh, over militarized police and, you know, these tactics, these fucking Gestapo tactics that they're using, you know. Um, of course, that's all fixed. No, it's not. It's worse. So I don't know. I mean, was he the answer? I don't know. When it came to vote for Hillary or Trump, I couldn't bring myself to do it. I couldn't vote. I just couldn't do it. I mean, I voted for other stuff. I voted locally. I voted, you know, for weed. Uh, this is the proposition at the time to legalize weed. So that happened. Huh? Thank you. You're welcome. Um, but I just left the president thing blank. I mean, I'm in California. It's going to go to Clinton anyways. And it did. And it didn't matter. So it wouldn't have mattered. Okay. I mean, had I been in a battleground state, would it have mattered? I don't know. I don't care. I don't really know or care. But why am I bringing all of this up? And what does this have to do with anything? Um, well, obviously, everything's political right now. It's that post-Labor Day politics, right? You know, I kind of started off with Labor Day, the idea of the labor movement, working class. And, and I'm sort of talking about, you know, like the push and pull between the Democrats and the Republicans. And, um, yeah, I'll just, you know... Uh, <laughs> I saw this video on Twitter, and I, I don't know. I thought it was cool. It was a cool message. But I, what was more interesting is the reaction that I got from posting it on my Instagram feed from some of my followers. So let me see. Come here. I was going to bring... So we've been fighting. Right now, in this time in our country, we're doing this whole Black Lives Matter. Everyone's fighting. Everyone's looting. This is my father. I was born in foster care. I didn't have a mother or a father. They gave me away. My father wasn't fit to be my father. This is my dad here, Jacob Benny. He's been there since the beginning. He's done everything. He laid his life down for me, and I lay his life down for him. I don't judge any man on the color of their skin, but the content of their character. We're here. We love. It doesn't matter what color it is. It's all about love. You can't beat hate with hate. You beat hate with love. So everyone out there, please stop fighting. Please come together. We can't beat it that way with love. Dad, come here. Okay, so that was fighter uh, Bobby Green after his victory over Clay Guida uh, taking his, like, post-fight thing. You know, he gets to, like, talk to the announcer or whatever, talk about the fight. Taking that time to bring um, who he calls his dad over. He's, like, a father figure who adopted him. He's also, like, his MMA coach. Brought him over and said, like, this is my dad. And uh, Bobby Green is black and the dad is white. And he's like, this is my father. You know, I love him, blah, blah. And he talks about, you know, Black Lives Matter is out there and people are fighting and all that. Um, so I thought it was very interesting because I put up the uh, – my little, you know, caption was that racial politics is part of the divide and conquer strategy to ensure the working class never unites against the ruling class. Okay, so then one of my followers says he clearly not fond of the blacks. That's what he said. He said he's clearly Bobby Green is clearly not fond of the blacks. I have no idea how he got that. So I, I was like, how can you tell? <clears throat> and then he said everyone is fighting and looting. He wasn't fit and brings up only black lives matter not anyone else involved but he just said everyone is fighting i mean he literally said everyone is fighting um and and exactly what this guy just said everyone is fighting and looting okay and he is speaking to get black people to love through hate not for those hating us to stop uh-huh okay and three people like that right um so i guess his objection okay first of all he just says he's not fond of black people because 
he's not bringing up any anybody else oh so because he's not talking about the cops he's like not talking about the cops shooting and he's not talking and he's telling black people to love through hate and not for those hating us the people who hate black people he's not saying hey black people stop hating them but that's why would that be his message his whole message is about his dad (laughs) is about how him and his dad are not a transcending race and the that but by saying that what he's saying is that it's anti-black so that's weird right it's like He's basically, so I was just like, I don't know, seems like you're reading his mind. This is a fighter who just won a fight. Odds are he's not as informed as you, you know, because I'm not trying to like argue with the guy. I'm just trying to say, oh, I don't know. This guy's like all out of breath. He's got adrenaline. He had a three round fight. Like what is, he's just talking about love, loves his dad, you know, like, uh, and this dude wrote, I have my 10,000 hours. I know what I know before I know why I know it. I'm like, all right, dude. Fuck it. <laughs> Okay, that sounds like someone who has no idea what he's talking about. Okay, here's a more, way more intelligent person who decided to comment. And I thought this was a better dialogue, but I didn't really quite engage him in a way. I didn't want to fight. You know, I was just like curious to see what he said. So he said, uh, working class white people definitely got to abandon racial politics. This brother's outlook doesn't help or hinder working class unity. Black people's outlook on race isn't really a factor at all. So he's commenting on how Bobby Green's love for his dad has nothing to do with my contention that uh, the working class has to unite against the ruling class, right? I mean, transracially, cross-racially, whatever. So then I asked him, why not? Uh, Why doesn't black people's outlook on race a factor? Why isn't it a factor on unity? And he said, because if every black person, all 40 million of us, adopted the idealized version of race tomorrow and white people held fast to the same racial politics they've had for centuries, what exactly would change? How would the lives of working class people be different? And I said, well, I see what you're saying under those circumstances, under those circumstances, which are very specific. You know what I'm saying? He's saying if all 40 million black people uh, love took on the I don't know what his idealized version of race is, but I'm supposing it means that none of it matters. Um but white people, I guess that he means the ruling class, white, he's conflating the ruling class with white people, uh, held on to the racial politics. No, 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 he's actually talking about poor white people, uh, then nothing would change, right? So he's saying poor white people are racist, and if black people stop being racist, why would that change poor white, white people, okay? Uh, there's a lot to go in there, because I do think it w- you do conquer hate through love. I mean, you do. It's so cheesy. It's like a Christian Jesus whatever thing, but it's 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 been proven scientifically you can see the thing with daryl davis the guy who befriends kkk members you know i'm sure he's seen as a trump voting nazi now um the there i can't remember the name of the documentary but it was a um i think she was a pakistani american journalist uh, documentarian who followed these guys to charlottesville and then ended up turning all of them like they all were like oh uh, the immigrants aren't so bad. I mean, if they're not like you, I mean, because she was like this cute girl hanging out with them, and they're all like, "Oh, I guess they're also bad." You know, it's just like one one brown person was nice to them, and then they're all fucking crumbling. You know, like, and he doesn't understand that. I don't know. I mean, but I I understand why because you have uh, it's hate. Hate makes you say, uh, "I don't." I, it's a zero sum game, right? Uh, but I don't know. It's cheesy. It's cheesy. Love, but love transcends all of it. Okay, so I was like, all right, I see what you're saying under those circumstances. I think even if the racial politics from whiteys changed, it's the economic policies fucking the working class over. Do you think a multiracial political ideology based on working class unity is possible in the U.S.? And then he said, 
I think working class whites choose to side with the ruling billionaire class because of their racial politics. Why else would they so often vote against their own interests? They would rather deny themselves government benefits and better economic standing than give those same benefits and standing to people of color. I don't know how you disentangle race from class here. Trump is literally framing low-income housing as a threat to white people's safety. Mm -hmm. Great. Um, Yeah, and I was like, you know what? Maybe they are all racist retards, though that seems fatalistic. Perhaps the only solution is the opioid crisis, right? I mean, at that, like, he's basically saying that they are stuck in the racist ways that they always vote against their interests, and there's nothing, unless they change, nothing else is going to happen. So, you know what? Maybe they should just die. Maybe that's, it's for the best that, you know, amongst poor white men, suicide is rapidly climbing, and the opioid crisis is ravaging all of them, and, and nobody really cares. So, maybe that's for the best, huh? There's no help. Yeah, that's, and so, I don't know. But that, to me, does not sound like the way uh, to bring about any kind of unity. I don't know. It just doesn't seem like it. I think it goes against the narrative to say that actually meeting people at a table, you know, having dialogue, meeting them halfway, that's actually how you get things done. That's actually how people change. That's actually not by fighting and forming these conflicts and saying, I can't ever engage with you because then I would be saying that evil is okay. Like if you're always good and they're evil, then what's the point of ever sitting down at the table? You might as well burn the table like there was a gender reveal party in the room. You know what I'm saying? You might as well just torch the whole thing, right? And that's that seems to be the um, the strategy of somebody who wants a war. Who, who wants, um, I don't know if there's like a real civil war coming, like they're saying in, in America, everybody's saying there's a second civil war coming, we're so divided, you know, maybe that's going to happen, I don't know, but it just seems like the people making these messages, crafting people's minds and opinions, that's what they're interested in, you know, it seems like that's what they're interested in. Um, so why does the white working class vote against their own interests? Is it because of race? Is it, are they that, are they racist? Are they, I mean, they are. They are. They have been. I mean, all of them. I don't know. I know some. They're kind of cool, but I don't know. They could. They'd admit there's racism where they're from. Sure, it's part. It's a big part of being poor and white is being racist. I'm sure. Um, but I would contend that a big part of being an American is racist. Uh, I would say that it's we are an incredibly racist country. Just not in the systemic racist way, but just in the way we're obsessed with it. I mean, we're we're so obsessed with it. We're obsessed with it from the beginning. And of course, you know, I've talked about this before, but there's the old contention from Howard Zinn, first chapter, People's History of the United States, talks about Bacon's Rebellion, and how after Bacon's Rebellion, when the white and black slaves united, the House of Burgesses, the ruling class, decided to make a law that allowed black slaves uh, to never become citizens and white slaves to become citizens. There you go. All you have to do is make a divide right there, right? Tell the poorest white man that he's better than a black man and then he'll vote for you. That's what fucking Lyndon Baines Johnson said, right? Like, that's what's what he said, right? Democrat, by the way. So, I mean, is that the contention, though? Because I feel like the way my friend is then voicing his opinion is that he's saying, like, the Democrats are good for the working class and that's who they should vote for and the Republicans are not, okay? And that's and they, yet they keep voting with those billionaires, with those guys, unless he's counting the Democrats as billionaires, too. Like, I don't know, because they are. I mean... I mean, who who would those Democrats be? Clinton, Clinton, who passed NAFTA, right? Who you know shipped out all jobs uh, overseas. I mean, that wasn't very good for the for the working class. See, that was I mean, he, Clinton was the biggest betrayal 
a betrayer of the working class. He was like supposedly one of them. You know what I mean? He was like, yeah, we got a hillbilly in our ass. We got one of us in there. And what did he do? He shipped all the jobs away to Mexico. You know, shipped all the jobs overseas. There, there you go. Thanks a lot, Bubba, right? He's one of us, right? And then Obama got in there too. And what did Obama do? He transferred wealth. Like I said, he gave all that wealth um, when he passed the stimulus or whatever, right after the financial crash, crash, all that money went to the banks. And that all that money came from us. He expanded two wars to seven. Where does the money for those, war, those wars come from? us right that more wealth being extracted right um i think joe biden helped uh, china get most favored nation status when he was in the senate um so you know i don't know that's uh, that's more jobs more jobs being taken away more jobs you know more money being extracted more profit being made for the ruling class i mean is this racial is it racial you know the largest transfer of wealth in history was under Obama and now under Trump. Okay. So, I mean, Trump had to come in and be like, I got to do better. You know, he's got to have his own transfer of wealth. So now he's going to do it too. It just seems like both sides are fucking the poor, right? There is no voting against your interest when there's only two parties, <clears throat> right? Kurt Metzger has a joke about how, like, you know, how come there's 64 genders, but only two parties, you know, acceptable political parties, right? What the fuck? Yeah. And how come it's okay for me to be uh, gender non-binary, but not, politically non-binary what the fuck is up with that why does it why is everything a binary why does it have to be right so i guess the contention really here is that like um that the specter of white supremacy is real you know it's real it's out there and i'm not denying that it has existed and that it's like not part of this country the family you know that is that a huge part of the history of this country i, just, I know it is but is it like Watchmen real? You know what I'm saying? Is it as real? Because when you watch the new Watchmen on HBO, that's the whole point of this, spoiler, sorry, but the whole point of that show is that Rorschach, the Rorschach identity has been taken on by white supremacists and they have a secret, they've infiltrated the cops and they have a secret plan to, uh, I don't know, just fucking, I don't know, some secret Nazi white power plan, okay? They have a secret Nazi white power plan, they're white power people, and they're everywhere, and they're gonna get us, and we need the superheroes, you know, to come and get them. The superheroes happen to be the cops, which is really weird, uh, because, uh, whatever, whatever. So, is it that real? I mean, is that what we're seeing when we see cops, you know, killing people, killing black people? When cops kill black people, is that racism? What about when they kill white people? Because they do kill white people. They kill poor people. I mean, cops kill poor people. That's the real thing. And I think the way you keep people from from figuring out, oh, wait, the cops are used against poor people, is to divide the poor into black and white and say, like, oh, the cops are killing black people. Meanwhile, they're also killing white people. So the, the white poor would be like, well, why don't they care about us? And then they'll fight against each other, the poor blacks and the whites. And they'll all fight against each other instead of being like, wait, no, they're killing all of us. They're actually killing all of us, right? Um, so maybe that's how it is. Maybe that's just how it is. Is that really how it is? Are they all racist retards? Is that what it is? Are they racist? It's like un, uh, like like un. I don't know. Does it mean that? Does this mean that like n nothing can save them? You know, like they're, they're sinners forever. You know, not no. Nothing can ever remove the stain of racism from the white working class. Like, they're done. We should just kill them all. That's what people want. Well, I mean, people do advocate this. They want genocide. White genocide. <laughs> they, they really want it. They want it, but uh, 
it is, I don't know, the numbers don't seem to pan out. And come on, you really want that? You really want to tear this whole place apart? That You want the entire country to go to have gun battles in the street because you want to eliminate whiteness? Um, it's just, I don't know. I don't know. It just doesn't seem like the right way to go about things. And it really doesn't seem like the right fight. I mean, the right fight seems to be everybody who owns nothing versus the very few who own everything. That seems to be it. And as long as people who own nothing, whatever their colors are, keep fighting each other, the people who own everything are just laughing, just laughing at us, you know? Do you think the rich really care about race? You think they sit around being, he's black and he's, I mean, maybe they do. I've heard that there's a eugenics thing. <laughs> Bill Gates is super into eugenics. And, but is that racial or is that just like trying to craft a smart brain? Like if they found some Chinese genius, wouldn't they want his genes for his genius uh, I don't know. He's like, whatever intelligence genes or whatever, wouldn't they want that? I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I have it, I find it very hard to believe that people in a certain position of power who own wealth, that they would actually see themselves as a commoner does. You know what I mean? I think like race and the politics, even the left, right, Democrat, all that stuff, that's like, just that's for our peasants. You know what I mean? That's just for the people to play around with. It's like, lar- it's Dungeons and Dragons shit. You know? It's like the rich is like, the rich are like, oh, you guys love make believe here. You can make believe that you are, you know, uh, you're white uh, and you're of pure blood and your forefathers made this country and fought for this country. Like, <laughs> like you could really, you think like the rich owning class really appreciates some poor white guys ancestry and how they contributed to the civil war or <laughs> whatever you think they really, they don't give a fuck. You're just like a fucking, you're a peasant. You know, nobody uh, or, or like, a, you know, I'm a, a pro black, you know, I'm black. Uh, I'm an activist. I'm going to uh, help defund the police. I mean, I have, you know, I have these political views. You know, I'm going to turn the state blue, like all that stuff. You think the ruling class really gives two shits about that? You think they really care? They don't care. They don't care. Okay. You know what they care about? They care about money. That's all they care about. That's it. That's it. They care about money. Just like, you know, just like Mulan. Just like <laughs> this is all Mulan cares about is money, right? That sweet, sweet Chinese money. You know what I'm saying? Um, Mulan. I really do think that Disney lost tons of money buying Star Wars and, I don't know, whatever. They made some crazy moves, like all those live-action movies. And I think maybe those have made money. But I do really feel like they're trying to recoup money or something, especially with this Mulan thing where they're charging people 30 bucks. And then it was made... It was made in Xinjiang in China. Xinjiang is a province where they are um, systematically eliminating the Uyghur Muslim population. I mean, there's not like so it's not like Nazis where they're like exterminating them, but they are removing them and putting them in camps, concentrating them in camps. Uh, I there's stories about how like they're forced to eat pork and stuff, and like they hold their kids hostage, like and Skype them in, and fucking you know, like to torture them and stuff. It's a terrible, terrible things. But anyways, the um, the government who's in charge of that stuff, like the government, the, like the government bureau in China who was in charge of that stuff was thanked in the credits of Mulan. Because <laughs> I guess they had, uh, they were on Uyghur land. They used the Uyghur land, you know, and the Uyghurs couldn't do nothing about it. Uh, well, maybe they were extras. Maybe the Uyghurs got to be extras and they, you know, um, I don't know. I guess they got to... Uh, be separate but equal to their Chinese counterparts. That's, you know, like the the rap party probably had a separate entrance for Uyghurs, you know. Um, you know, and every 
extra had their children held hostage or something, you know, and base camp was a labor camp. So yay. Um, you know, I think um, there were like a lot of stabbings on the set. <laughs> Rumors of a lot of stabbings. That's sort of the stereotype that um, the Chinese people, at least in Shanghai, had about Uyghurs is that Uyghurs will stab you. That's why they have knives. They got to carry knives, ceremonial knives, because it's like part of their culture. And I guess that's cool in China for them to do it. And then the Chinese people fucking hate that. They hate that. And they're like, why do the Uyghurs get to do that? Huh? Why do they? And, you know, I got to tell you, Mulan really hit that. Uyghur with the hard R. Hit it with that hard R, guys. That's just, I don't know. It's a bit too much. But I think that's the whole thing is that, like, the market share in liberal democracies is over. And I think Disney knows that, you know? So they need that sweet Chinese totalitarian money. They need that sweet money. You know what I mean? They need to, that's why they're ditching Winnie the Pooh and get rid of all of it. They're going to do whatever you want. Everything's going to be in red. It's going to be great. What do you need? We're, uh, you know, it's, we're going to preach the one party rule and it's going to be great. I mean, and if you think about it, Disneyland, like Disneyland itself is kind of like China, you know, it's a, it's like strict totalitarian rule. Everybody's kind of free and happy, but you, ha- you have to fall within certain parameters. Like you can't violate the rules or you will be disappeared. You know, like you'll never be seen again. People, I have friends who are completely held enthralled by this threat. You know what I mean? Like the threat of being banned from Disneyland and rightfully so they'll do it. Okay. Uh, you better watch your fucking mouth. Um, <laughs> that's the thing that's like you know we are kind of just like willingly going toward that like we want that i think people want that i think there's some maybe there's some security in it well this two-party thing is just out of control isn't it i mean this is like coke pepsi everything is coke and pepsi apple android like who cares who cares everything is just too you know what i mean like who cares um but people do because that's our country that's america and they're going back to what this country is all about america right it's a it is essentially a country built by the working class, the labor class. A lot of them, slave labor, essentially built by slave labor and then built by other labor. And all that labor was squashed under the might of capital. And I'm I'm not like a commie, but I'm just saying that's what it's been. You know, the rich have used the labor of the poor to make themselves richer and also, yes, benefit society. Society has been benefited. Things have gotten nicer, but the struggle is eternal. The wealth keeps getting transferred upwards by our presidents. Every president, the evil one, the good one, both of them. Trump is the bad one, Obama's the good one. They both transferred wealth to the rich. So what, I don't know, I guess it's, does it, is it really, is it real? Is it really real, this idea, this dichotomy, this good and evil thing? Is it really real, the specter of white supremacy everywhere? Is it really real when it seems that what's right in front of us, what's going on, is that there's a collusion between the richest people in this country or in the world and the financial system and the military and all these other, you know, the Mickey mat that I talk about where you make money doing war and you make money doing all this stuff and you just keep going and you make sure that people don't stop and go, wait a minute, we're paying for all of this. Why are we, why are we paying for all this and fighting each other? It's like the money we pay goes in the system and turns around as cops and soldiers who murder either us or people around the world. Like, why is that? <laughs> and that's what we all are participating in. It doesn't matter what fucking color you are, okay? It, it, but until people realize that, we're fucked, you know? We'll never, we'll never unite. We'll never be, um, I don't know. I mean, is that really the goal? The goal, really unity? Well, unity is the only way you're going to ever take any of that money back from 
the ruling class. So yeah, let's just say some rich people, they made their money, right? They made their money because they ran great businesses and they had profit and all that stuff. But a lot of millionaires and billionaires get rich off of government subsidies, you know, government contracts, you know, they get rich off the government. And when you get rich off the government, you're getting rich off the taxpayer, right? That's all that is. Anything that involves the government involves the taxpayer. So that's all of our money. So all of our money has been going into seven wars, uh, no health care, like all the problems you see, the cops and the military, all the funding of that. That's our funding. That's us. So I get it. On one hand, I get the sentiment of defund the police because that is our money, you know. But on the other hand, it isn't um, a great idea when you have no other alternative, when you're just like, that's it. Just get rid of them. And that's, I don't know. I don't know if that's going to work. But I do believe that the cops have been an instrument of the ruling class. So I'm not for them either. You know what I'm saying? It's like I'm not for them. So that's, I just think that it's a um, much more nuanced discussion than a slogan that confuses people. You know, I think we've got to have better slogans, better nuanced language you know right now people are thinking by me posting this video of the ufc fighter saying we have to love uh be hate with love that's an act that's a hate crime to a lot of people right there what i did what that guy said it, I, it just by me posting it's like i'm endorsing his hate crime of saying love we gotta be hate with love okay the hate crime here is advocating love I mean, that's where we're at that's where we're at um, and maybe that is when you're at war, hate truly is the biggest war crime. Maybe that's yeah. when you're at war. No, that's not. I got so confused saying that. Did I, I don't even remember if I said that sentence right. That when you're at war, love is the biggest hate crime. Okay. <laughs> at war, during war, love is the biggest hate crime. That's interesting. Yeah, that makes sense because then you can't, you know, <clears throat> that's Romeo and Juliet stuff, right? That's that's the kind of stuff that that's made out of. Um, I wanted to call this Grand Old Tardy. I wanted to call this episode Grand Old Tardy because there's this whole thing of like, uh, you just, are they really racist retards? Are they? Is that what they are? You fucking white working class motherfucker? Is, is that all you are? Can you not snap out of it? <laughs> you dumb, you fucking racist retards. I mean, but see, that's the thing. It's like that seems to be like what the media is saying, uh, and I don't know if I trust them anymore. I'm sorry. It's just hard for me to trust. The guys that got us into two plus five more wars, the guys who lied about all of it, the guys who have been lying to us about Russia, the guys who have been lying to us probably about the pandemic, the guys who got us into Vietnam on a lie, the guy, this goes on and on. I mean, they've been lying, the guys who've been lying to us about marijuana, right? Lies, um, lies, 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 lies. And we keep giving them money and we fight over which side is supposed to be better. Which side is the good side? Which side is the bad side? And you just keep switching sides. But honestly, it's like left wing, right wing, same mansion, right? I mean, they're just that's all it is. It's just both parties are for the rich. They're not for us. They're not for you. They're not for you as a black person or a white person or an Asian person or Latino. None of that stuff. All that stuff is just marketing demographics to split people up and find out how they vote and buy and all that stuff. That's just all data that the rich need to get richer. But it is not anything real or of consequence at least i don't think so i don't think the richest people in the world are being like ooh, uh, you know really worrying about like are black trans people dying you know i don't think they or that it or that they hate i hate black trans people you know i don't think they care i don't think they care at all i don't think they care about us or this country or anything 
They don't, they don't care. They're just like my dad, <laughs> just like all of our dads, just like a lot of, you know, just like a lot of boomer parents. They just do not care. They just want care about themselves. They just want to get richer. And then, and then that's it. That's all they care about. They're, they're, that's it. I mean, then there's no end game. There's no end. There's no, it's just infinite growth. Internet growth, and we'll go on, and we'll probably live forever with life extension technology. I probably said this last episode, so uh, let's start wrapping it up. Um, I just think, you know, with all this, you know, all the wealth having been extracted out of this country, you know, and that's why we can't even pay for Mulan anymore. They got to fucking pony up to the Chinese to get that Chinese money now because America's broke, right? Because they've taken all the money, given it overseas to the rich and to the Chinese. And the Chinese, by the way, have been buying up our debt. So we actually owe them. The reason we've been able to buy all this shit, cheap shit from the Chinese using credit is because the Chinese have been buying up all the debt and funding it. So there you go. You know, that's how that UFC video and Mulan are connected. Okay. (laughs) You think this is just ramblings of a madman? It is. But sometimes there's lines and threads. That connect them all. Okay, what did we learn? I played the Bobby Green video, right? And uh, I talked about how he has a white dad and you got to beat hate with love. And then immediately two of my black friends called me a racist. No, <laughs> I'm just kidding. One basically said that guy hates black people <laughs> from what he said because he loves his white father and told black people to love each other, to love white people. Um, and then the other one was just like, it doesn't matter what this guy thinks. This is never going to uh, help working class unity because my contention is that, you know, maybe through love there will be some working class unity. And he's like, no, white people are racist. And no matter what, no matter if black people did not become racist, they, even if black people love white people, they will never turn. And I don't know, that seems super fatalistic. And if that's true, then they get what they deserve, right, with the opioid crisis. And they're dying. Good. <laughs> and it's good that they're dying. But I, on the other hand, I'm an optimist about people. I'm of the Daryl Davis, uh, you know, school of turning Klansmen, you know, like just by talking to them, befriending them. I think that's, I honestly believe that a lot of racism comes out of ignorance, you know, a lot of um, just like non-exposure because I myself have been exposed to many different people. And I feel like that makes me uh, in some ways more, in some ways less racist, you know what I mean? (laughs) But I think that's the part of the human experience. You know what I mean? It's part of the human experience. Um, Whatever I'm, I'm Korean. I get I'm Korean American, but my experience is nothing to do with a lot of Korean Americans. You know why? Because my parents sucked. Okay, they weren't ever around. You know, you know, because my dad never told me the truth. It has nothing to do with being Korean. It's nothing to do with anything. It might have something to do with being in America, being a boomer, and being self-obsessed. But it has nothing to do with race. It has not everything to do with the circumstance of what happened. Like I, I mean, I am a lot of the way I am because. I am Korean and I had a Korean upbringing and I went to Korean school and I ate Korean foods and people spoke Korean to me when I was a kid and I have Korean family members and you know, it's all, it's, it's, I'm not denying it. I'm not saying I'm not Korean or I hate Korea or I hate, I hate North Korea. No, I mean, you know, I I hate anything about Koreanness. Okay. I don't, but I don't feel that it's every part of my being. And I don't feel like I am the way I am because I am Korean. I, if anything, I'm the way I am because of my fucking parents, okay? Just like most of us, right? And yes, they are the way they are because of their parents and so on and so forth. And that might be why they have these cultures and whatever. That's why they're black or white or whatever they identify with because of your family, okay? Um, 
I think it comes down to, I've talked about this before, but it's in social psychology, they call it the fundamental attribution error, where we have a tendency to attribute flaws or anything, any kind of uh, character, like, though anything would like, for example, if, if you see a man trip on the street, you would assign to him the character of being clumsy. Like that guy is intrinsically clumsy, just like my friend did with the working uh, white, uh, working class white people. He's like, they're intrinsically racist. They're the racist, you know, they cannot change, right? But if you were the man who tripped on the street, would you say, I am intrinsically clumsy? You may, but most likely, most likely you'd be like, well, there was actually a crack in the sidewalk that made me trip, right? It's circumstantial. Right? So when it happens to you, you're like, oh, there's reasons. These are the reasons why. But when it happens, when you look at other people and you look at them, you say, ah, no, they're like that forever. <laughs> like they, That's the way they need to die. You know, that's, uh, you know, and I think it's classic us versus them, this sort of tribalist mentality. It's very human. It's a human being. It's what you do when you're in your family and you look outside the family and look at them. You know, I think it's totally natural. But it is my contention, just like Bobby Green's, Okay. And I guess that makes me an, uh, a right wing. <laughs> I guess that makes me anti uh, anti racist, or makes me racist. I guess that makes me racist by suggesting that hate can be overcome with love, right? I think it can be. All right, so go out, get out there, and go find yourself a white person. All right, <laughs> love that white person, and do you find that racist white person? You love them, and they will change. I swear, you most fucking these hard white guys you fucking you give them a hug they'll fucking crumble right they just every, they just think everybody hates them so much that they'll just fucking you be nice to them just a little and they'll fucking do they'll they'll air 15 anyone you want right that's how you make friends make friends by being friendly all right but people aren't interested in making friends when it's a time of war and i understand that civil war too electric boogaloo that's what uh, those guys with the hawaiian shirts are all about they want a civil war too and maybe that's for the best I don't know. I personally don't think so. I don't think war is really... <laughs> don't think that's really the answer. Um, but we shall see. Um, I'm hoping for the best. I hope for the best. I think, um, you know, we got a country. It's all crazy. Maybe we'll get to war, but I, I don't really think so. I think we have too much stuff still. We got too much stuff to work out, like too many material things. People are still shopping. I don't know. It's that, you know, things are on fire and nobody cares. Yeah, and that's just the way it is. You know, we have a pandemic and everybody's bored. Like it's a, you know they're they're going outside and shooting each other, setting fires with gender reveal parties because we got nothing else to do, right? This is what you wanted, trying to keep us safe. Things are now on fire, so well, I hope everybody's happy. <laughs> no, look, you can only find the happiness in your inner circle, in your family, in the day to day, the beauty of the world, you know, because none of these large things they don't really matter. You know what I mean? They don't really matter. But I also do think that it's important to, I don't know, it's like fucking, it's a Jesus message. It's like what Jesus said, you gotta love your enemies, you know? You gotta love them. Or else it's just perpetual war, right? It's death, perpetual a cycle, death and destruction, unlike uh, anything we've ever seen before, on and on, over and over. Well, we've seen it before. It's just happening. You know, it's just happening at a time. <sighs> I don't know what I'm fucking saying. Look, I'm just saying that I think everything will be okay. Um, 
Maybe. I mean, an asteroid could hit us and then we won't, but then all of this will be for nothing. Who cares what politics, you know, who cares about race? Do you think race will be a huge issue when the asteroid's coming toward the Earth? When an asteroid is hurtling toward the Earth, you think people will be like, hey, is it gonna, is this going to disproportionately affect black people? You know, you think people, or do you think poor whites will be like, how will this affect the white working class? Will we be able to, you know what I mean? As the asteroid's coming toward and about to like cause a nuclear winter and most of us die, you know, and it turns into the road for the next, 400 years like you think people are gonna be like but is there inclusion in this asteroid impact yeah anyways thank you so much for listening to the rojan kim cast um please follow me out there on the twitter on the instagram go on the spotify go on the googles and the apples find me on where all the podcast platforms are played or i don't know where you find your podcast you'll find this podcast thank you so much for listening goodbye